You're listening to the Mount Pleasant Podcast. To learn more about our church, visit us online at www.mpbc.church. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Years ago, when I was uh, general manager of a hardwood flooring business, I was trying to make my way to Charlotte to an architect's office in downtown Charlotte by 9 a.m. Some of you smiled at me because you know that living in Wilkes County, trying to get to downtown Charlotte at 9 a.m., that's virtually impossible unless you leave at about 5.30 in the morning. The traffic is horrible, which I did leave at 5.30 in the morning. So I get to downtown Charlotte, I thought, in plenty of time. And I'm using one of these, I don't know, outdated, what is that? Oh, a map! Back in the, some of the kids go, what is that? Where's GPS? Recalculating, recalculating. But see, this didn't help me at all. You want to know why those things don't help you in Charlotte? Back 20 years ago? Because of this. There are nothing in Charlotte downtown but one-way streets. And so I got to where I could see the building. (laughs) There it is. But I can't go that way because it's one way that way. And I want to go that way. And there it is. And I couldn't get to it. I drove around and I drove around and I drove. It was driving me crazy. And I kept looking at the clock on my dash on my vehicle. And I'm like, I'm going to be late. I'm going to be late. And I've I've given up. I didn't sleep half the night before. You ever go to some place, and this is, you get older and this happens to you. You got to get up early and go, you think you're going to oversleep, and you get thinking about the meeting, and you get, the, you know, and you just, you don't sleep good anyway. So I'm already tired and I'm weary. I'm frustrated. And I'm like, I'm not going to get to this place. What am I going to do? If I park in the wrong place, they're going to tow my car. So, and about that time, I saw a guy on a bike, and he's got, he, it's, it's not this guy, but, but it's like this guy. And he had like big, bags hanging on the handlebars and he was delivering I guess breakfast to some place and I'm like hey 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 you yeah you you come here, come here please 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 come here please look you know you know Charlotte right right I'm trying to get to that building and he goes yeah that's a tough place to get to yeah I know please can you help me he said sure just like that guy he had a little pin in his little vest he grabbed literally a napkin out of one of the big bags hanging on his handlebars and he drew me a little map on the napkin he says you need to go here you turn left here and he goes look you can't park on the street i said i know that please hurry please hurry he goes there's a parking deck right beside of that building i didn't know that either he said it's a public parking deck you can park in there he said come out of the deck he said then walk right down the street and you go right into the building if i could have gotten out of the car if I'd had a time, I'd have hugged his neck. I was so thankful because the guy showed me the way because I was weary. You say, that's a kind of a cute little story. Why are you telling it? Because I want to tell you that today's message title is Encouraging Weary Hearts. Encouraging Weary Hearts. Church, I want to tell you what will wear you out quicker than anything. It's going down the wrong road of life and living in circles. You'll wear yourself out. And if you miss the detour sign to Jesus, you see that little sign we've been using? This says bridge is out. But there's something more important in this life than a bridge being out. If you miss Jesus and die, it's not good. There's a devil's hell awaiting. 
The Apostle Paul has been struggling, trying to warn the people of Colossae not to follow false teaching and go down the wrong road. He's imploring them. He's, he's begging them to listen. Turning your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. We're going to pick up in verse 28, which is pretty close to where we left off last week. But I want, this is, this is the ramp that's going to lead us to the road that we need to go down that's going to show us the absolute crux of why we have the letter to the Colossians. Colossians 1 verse 28. The Bible says, Him, and that word Him is Jesus. Jesus we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone how in Christ? Mature. Church, I need you to look at me for a second because I want to talk to you from, a, from my heart for just a moment. I know how the Apostle Paul feels. He was struggling. He wanted the, the people at Colossae to know the truth. I want you to know the truth. Look, I get it. This is my job. I'm working right now. Okay? It's a work day for me. I'm working right now. But it's more than that. This is more than a job to me. This is what God has called me to do. It's 24-7. It's 365. It's, this is what I do. It's who I am. So I, I, and I want you to succeed. I want you to know the truth. I want you to be able to live a life that is filled with joy and purpose and meaning in Christ. So I'm like a coach. I just implore, implore, implore. And, and forgive me if from time to time I get a little bit passionate because I want you to succeed. I want you to do well. This is more than a job. This is my life. It is my calling that we might know the truth. I mean, we've been putting this up here for weeks now. True versus false. What is true? And to identify what is true in this life. Paul is going to describe very succinctly here by way of the Holy Spirit how he's feeling. Our text for today is Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Would you look at those verses with me? Colossians 2, 1 through 5, verse 1. Paul says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you. I understand how he feels. And for those at, oh, that's interesting, at Laodicea. You've heard of Laodicea. And for all who have not seen me face to face. Why haven't they seen him face to face? Where is Paul? Yeah, he's in prison, right? He's under house arrest in Rome. So he's not where they are. He's not in Colossae. He said that their hearts may be encouraged. He wanted to encourage their hearts, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery. What is the knowledge of God's mystery? Jesus, which is Christ. And it's in Jesus whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Paul said, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. Can you look up at the wall again? True versus false? See, listen, right now you can see that very clearly. Can you pick out what's true? Can you pick it out? You can. But you see, if, if we were to take off the red part of true, it would be very difficult. It, but, oh, yes. Now that becomes a little bit tougher, doesn't it? See, this is the world we live in. 
This is, this is exactly what Paul is seeking to do. He's trying to help people to understand the truth and to see the truth. The truth is found right here in this book. And the problem is for most Christians, we don't know the truth anymore because we never read this thing. And so we're duped. We're tricked by all kinds of plausible arguments. We're deceived. And this is the issue. This is the crux of the whole book of Colossians. See it again? Look at it. Go back and look at it. He said, for I say this to you so that nobody will delude you, that means trick you, with plausible, it's, they're plausible arguments, but it's not true. Paul said, for though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good faith and the firmness of your faith in Christ. It's not that these people were not following Jesus, it's just that he was so afraid they were letting in these false teachers that were going to take them down the wrong road. Church, this is the crescendo of the book of Colossians. This is the whole purpose that's been written, to point to Jesus and Him alone. You know, Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. What is that? No, it's not a what. It's a who. Who is the truth? Jesus. Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It is Jesus. Are you seeking Jesus? today? Are you looking to find life in Him? Or are you following another way? That's the crux of the message. Now I want you to take a look at this map. I've shown this to you several times, but we want you to see it again. I want, and I want, this is why I want to do it. I want to point out something. I want to point out some cities. First of all, I want you to locate Colossae again. Go to the letter F at the top of the map. Make your eye move its way down. And you'll see Colossae, and it's just east of the seven red pushpins, or to the right of those seven red pushpins representing the seven churches mentioned in the book of the Revelation. Now, all of these churches were in what was called Asia Minor, what is today called Turkey, the country of Turkey. Now, take a look at this other map. This is a close-up picture. You heard the name Laodicea in verse 1. Did you, did you know Laodicea and Colossae were very close? You see them there? Laodicea is just to the left of Colossae. Notice also a city I'll mention again in a moment, Hierapolis. See it just north of Laodicea? Now all three of these cities were located in what's called the Lycus, L-Y-C-U-S, River Valley. And the water flows from, as you're looking at the map, from right to left or from east to west into the Aegean Sea. Now, we're going to keep this map on the screen and I need you to do something. Turn to Revelation chapter 3. We want to go to that church of Laodicea. Jesus has some words for the church at Laodicea. Now when I say the Laodicean church, Bible people, hopefully it's all of you, but some are more studied than others, what do you think of when I say Laodicea? Lukewarm, I heard it, lukewarm. What does it mean to be lukewarm? You're not hot, you're not cold, you're lukewarm. Jesus happy with this church or unhappy with this church? He's very unhappy with this church. And here's why. Now you're looking at the map. The Lycus River ran through Colossae, and the river's cold. Go down here to, you know, Lewis Fork Creek right now, and it's cold. But if you go to Hierapolis, see Hierapolis? See, it's to the north of Laodicea. Guess what they had? Hot springs. 
They had hot springs. And get this, the water of the hot springs flowed down into Laodicea. The cold water flowed from Colossae into Laodicea. Now, if you had enough coffee this morning, can you put all this together, okay? If you mix hot water with cold water, what do you get? Lukewarm water, and it's nasty. Revelation chapter 3. I want you to see what Jesus said to this church. Revelation 3, jump down to verse 15. Jesus said, I know your works. Did you know that church? He knows what we do. Hey, look at me. Does that bother you? Does that bother you? Some people see that as a drag. Well, I wish you didn't know what I did. Well, then how are you living? Because, because if you love the Lord, you don't mind Him knowing what you're doing. He's your master. You're tickled pink with Him knowing that you're living for Him. You see, the people that don't want Jesus to know what they're doing, they're not living for Him. And this, that's a drag for them. I don't want Him knowing what I'm doing. Why? If you love Jesus, then it should be fine for Him to know what you're doing. See, watch. He said, I know your works. He said, here's the problem. You're neither cold nor hot. He said, would that you were either cold or hot. Now, how's that sentence punctuated at the end? Exclamation point. Do you think Jesus said that very firmly? I do. I know he did because the Holy Spirit is, makes no accidents with even punctuation in Scripture. Verse 16. So because you are lukewarm, you're neither hot nor cold, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I'm, I'm going to tell you what a better translation is. A better translation of spit you out of my mouth is one word in the English. And it's what happens to you when you get the stomach virus. What is that? Vomit. How fun is it when you vomit? Oh my goodness. I don't even like thinking about it. I mean, you, you ever, you, you, you've been sick like that and you feel it coming. And you're like, it's going to hurt so bad. And then you get the dry heaves part. You know, there's nothing left to throw up. And it's just awful. And Jesus said, I'm going, I want to vomit you out of my mouth. This is, this is serious stuff. He said, for you say they actually thought they were rich. He said, you, you think you're prosperous and you don't need anything. You don't even realize, Jesus said, that you're wretched, you're pitiable, you're poor, you're blind, and you're naked. Folks, the church at Laodicea, quite succinctly, they didn't get it. They didn't get it. They thought they were rich, they were poor. They thought they had need of nothing, but Jesus said, you know, you're pitiful. You're blind and naked. They were so deceived. They were so self-deluded. They could no longer distinguish that which is true and that which is false. It just all blended together. And they became lukewarm. And Jesus said, I would vomit you out of your mouth. Can we be honest this morning? How does Jesus see you? How does he see me? No guilt trip here. No, no guilt trip. I'm just asking. Look, look, are you hot or are you cold? Or are you lukewarm? Has your love grown cold for Jesus? Think about it, would you? Go back with me to Colossians chapter 4. You say, I thought we were in Colossians 2. We are, but I want you to go to 4 because I want to show you Laodicea. By the way, as you're turning back to Colossians chapter 4, did you know there was a letter to the church at Laodicea? Like we have the letter right now we're reading, reading to the Colossian church. You know, we have a letter to the Philippian church. We have a letter to the Corinthians, letter to the, the, the Thessalonians. Did you know there was a letter to the Laodiceans? There was. Colossians chapter 4. 
Remember there's a man named Epaphras. He's basically one of the pastors or elders at the church at Colossae. And he had gone to Paul in Rome and he said, Paul, they won't listen to me. Maybe they'll listen to you. They respect you. You're, you're a hero of the faith. Maybe they'll listen to you. And so here's Paul now writing about Epaphras. Okay, here we go. Colossians 4, verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, that's because he, he was a, a native of Colossae. That's his hometown. He said, he is a servant of Christ Jesus. He greets you. And see, he's just like Paul. I, and, he, and I feel like he feels. He says, he's always struggling on your behalf in prayers that you may stand mature. That's what I want. I want you all to stand mature, fully assured in all the will of God. Verse 13, for I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea, we just saw the map, and Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician. Luke, yeah, the doctor. You know, the one that we have, Matthew, Mark, Luke. He was not an apostle. He was a traveling companion with the apostle Paul and was a doctor. Paul needed a doctor a lot. He was constantly getting beaten. He was constantly getting, he was, he was in trouble all the time. He needed a doctor. God provided Luke. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you. So Luke was with Paul in Rome, helping Paul while he was under house arrest. Watch this. And so does Demas. You know, Demas, we don't have time to get into it, but he deserted Paul. He was an apostate. He left him. He deserted him. Verse 15. Paul said, Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. How about that? There was a letter to the Laodiceans, but it didn't make it into the canon of Scripture. You say, why? I have no idea. You say, what happened to the church at Laodicea? I have no idea. We're not specifically told, but we know that the church died out. I'll tell you what I believe. I believe it died out because they went lukewarm. They could no longer tell what the truth was. It seems that more than cold water was flowing from Colossae to Laodicea, it seems that false teaching was flowing from Colossae to Laodicea. Church, are you listening this morning? False teaching always compromises the truth. False teaching always compromises the truth. It wants to weaken it. It wants to water it down. It wants to take the heat off. I guess we'll always wonder were the Laodiceans poisoned by the Colossians. I guess we'll never know on this side of heaven, but one thing we do know is that the Laodicean church made Jesus sick enough that he could vomit. See it again on the screens, Revelation 3.16. I mean, how poignant is this? So because you're lukewarm, Jesus said, you're neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. I will vomit you out of my mouth. Could Jesus have been any more emphatic? Let's ask this question. What does it mean then to be lukewarm? In a practical sense, what does it mean to be lukewarm? I thought a lot about it and I thought of one word. It's a hyphenated word, fence straddler. If you're lukewarm, you're a fence straddler. So I Googled the word fence straddler. And here's this meme that came up. I thought it was excellent. Your choice, if you're a fence straddler, is either God or the world because Satan owns the fence. That is so good, it's so true. Satan owns the fence. Listen, a person who won't take a stand or a position for or against anything, they make Jesus sick. 
because they're trying to ride the fence. But Satan owns the fence. It seems that for so many people, their main goal is not to offend anybody or make anybody upset. They're just lukewarm. Folks, let me tell you something. If you're that way, it makes Jesus sick. He said, would that you would be hot or cold. Don't you dare sit in the middle. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount that we are to hunger and thirst for what? Acceptance. Of course, we want everybody to like us. Hunger and thirst so that everyone thinks I'm a good person. No, Jesus said you are to hunger and thirst for what? Righteousness. He cares about what we do and how we represent Him. He says, I know your works. Would that we would be hot again and show a fervency and a passion. Oh, we, have, we get so passionate about so many things in this life. How about Jesus? He died for you. Jesus cares about how we live. He wants us to be hot. Problem is, when you're hot in a sin-sick world, it's going to be tough sledding. Because when the world is confronted with the teachings of Jesus, it's going to hurt. Because Jesus said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. You know that word steps on toes. Do you ever use that word, repent? Do you ever use that word? See, if we never use that word, we're not actually going to be able to lead anybody to Jesus. Because you can't come to Jesus unless you repent. Are you listening this morning, church? If you're listening, say amen. amen. But, but, but when you tell somebody they need to repent, I mean, then, then, then you're actually pointing out that they're going in the wrong direction. Like my guy on the bike down there in Charlotte, I was so glad that he mapped it out for me. I didn't say to him, I don't want to go that way. I don't want he goes, if you want to get there, you got to do this. Man, I had that napkin right here. I had it right here. I did exactly what he told me to do. And by golly, I ended up exactly where I wanted to go. I was so thankful for him, and I didn't know him from Adam's house cat. I'm telling you, I was so thankful for him. We got to tell the truth. But you don't have to be a jerk about it. See what's so bad today in so many cases that Christians seem to want to look down their nose and be condemning? It's not that we're to give a reason for our hope in gentleness and respect, but we've got to give a reason for our hope. What's so sad, church, is that we live in a day and age much like Laodicea. Today we've got entire denominations who no longer want to put the word truth or true in red. They just, because that might be offensive. And so we'll just leave it the way it is. See, that's, this is what we're, you see what just happened? Look at, look at the wall, look at it. Isn't that a whole lot easier to see that? We have to point out what truth is. We have the truth. If we're not telling it, they're surely not going to get it on NPR or CNN, or from Hollywood. They've got to get it from us. But we don't have to be mean when we give it. But we've got to give it. So many denominations today, these mainline Protestant denominations, I'm watching them die like, a, die like on the vine. They just, they want to be relevant. They don't want to be disagreeable. Don't want it to offend. I like what Pastor Tim Keller says. 
Tim Keller says, if you're, see the screens, if your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. Hmm. Can we read that again? Notice the word God, little g. That's not the real God. If your God never disagrees with you, in other words, if everything you do is perfectly right, you can cuss and it's okay, you can sleep around and it's okay, you can live with somebody that you're not married to and it's okay, any lifestyle's okay, they're, they're immoral, there's no morality anymore, if all of that's okay, then you have made a God that suits you. And so you therefore, my dear friend, are worshiping yourself. I believe Keller hit the nail on the head. So many have gone lukewarm. And you know what? When we go lukewarm, you know what we do to the sign? You know what we do to the sign? See the sign again? We remove the sign. When we don't want to offend anybody, we just go take the sign away. We just move it away. And I guess we're just okay with people driving off into oblivion. Right off the cliff. Oh, they'll end up in hell unoffended, but they'll be in hell. Church, the treasure in this life is Jesus. That's it. That's the point of Colossians. Jesus is the treasure. And that's Colossians 2 and 3. Watch this. Go back to Colossians chapter 2. Look at verses 2 and 3. God wants our hearts to be encouraged. See it? That their hearts may be encouraged. Colossians 2, 2, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. It's Christ. It all points to Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. If you're weary today, might it be that your treasure isn't Jesus but something else? Someone else? Maybe even yourself? Do you have a weary heart today? Do you feel like you're circling the same streets over and over again and you just can't seem to get to where you want to go? Is it because we've grown lukewarm? Our power, our strength comes from Jesus. Might you detour to him before it's too late? You see, church, the church at Colossae had been infiltrated with false teachers who said Jesus isn't enough. And that's what's happening in so many of the mainline Protestant denominations today. I just shake my head at the stuff that I, I, I hear that I, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll you know, be in a, another town and I'll drive by a church and I see all these signs and flags and everything else out on the church property grounds along with their sign. And I'm like, what are they for? What about Jesus? Seems that so many of the churches in America today have turned into social clubs, even social justice clubs. Christianity in America is becoming so diluted it's not even Christianity anymore. So many of the old mainline Protestant denominations think it's more important to save the earth than it is to save a human soul. Apparently it's more important today to use, to use the right pronoun than to share Jesus. Dr. David Jeremiah, pastor, author, teacher, you've heard him perhaps, seen him on TV, read one of his books. He said this, and I think he's very, very correct. He said, quote, see the screens. Today there are many churches and Christians who are bent on changing society through government programs, lobbying activities, civil disobedience, and pressure groups. 
I don't find any place in the Bible, says Dr. Jeremiah, that says that this is the mission of the church of Jesus Christ. The mission of the church is witnessing to lost souls, says Dr. Jeremiah, about the redemption provided by the Lord Jesus Christ. The mission is being replaced by those who believe the kingdom of God can be established here and now by our human activities. The mission of the church is to point people to the sufficiency of Jesus, period. End of quote. Amen, Dr. Jeremiah. Amen. There was once an old church in England that had a motto, and it was engraved across the front entrance on the facade of the church. And here's what it said. See the screens? The motto of the church said, We preach Christ crucified. Well, as often happens in churches in England, ivy and vines grow, and those ivy and vines started to grow over the front entrance, and the vines end up winding their way over that last word of the motto to where eventually you couldn't see the last word, and it just came to say, we preach Christ. No longer crucified. Well, the ivy continued to grow year after year until eventually the sign just said, we preach. What? <laughs> Precisely. Nothing. So many churches preach nothing. They preach mindless dribble. They don't preach Jesus anymore. Save the turtles. Save the climate. How about lost souls? Could we save a few of those? Listen, trying to solve the problems of this world without sharing the necessity of repenting of our sins and calling on Jesus is like trying to drive a car with no gas in it. The greatest problem for a human being is sin. Never forget that. I know they might be hungry. I know they might need a pair of shoes. They might need a sweatshirt. Give them a pair of shoes. Feed them. But give them Jesus too. So many churches today, they've turned in, they're nothing more than the Salvation Army. The Salvation Army does more than some of these churches now because they won't preach Jesus. Because he offends. Because he requires us to forsake our lifestyle and follow him. Repenting. Turning the other direction. Stop going in circles in a street in Charlotte and, and follow the napkin. Jesus is the treasure, or is he? Is he your treasure? Is he the focus? We must proclaim and we must warn people. I return to this. The Holy Spirit wouldn't let me get away from this. See it again? Colossians 1.28. It's Jesus we proclaim. See the screens? It's Jesus we proclaim and we warn. We're not jerks about it, but we've got to put up the sign. We warn everyone and teach everyone with wisdom that we may present them mature. Don't you, Mom and Dad, don't you want your kids to grow up to be mature? I'm proud of the moms and dads in this room right now. It's not easy having kids with you. But you're teaching them, and they're hearing the truth of God's Word. I mean, they could be off somewhere eating Cheetos and watching VeggieTales and drinking Kool-Aid, and there's nothing inherently wrong with that, but they're hearing the truth. You might, not think, they're, you might think they're not getting it, but they're getting it. Kids are like sponges. They soak it up. See, we've got to warn people. Is your sign out? You've got to put the sign out. We're not jerks about it, but we've got to put the sign out. And if we don't put the sign out, might it be that we've grown lukewarm? 
It might be that our love for Jesus has grown cold. Jesus wants us to be hot. He wants us to be fervent. And we can do that in a passionate way, and we can do it kindly and graciously. False teaching destroys by leading to compromise. And you see, church, in the mundane of life, we can get so busy, we can forget that there's a battle for our minds, and there's a battle for our time. Satan wants to destroy us. Mom and Dad, if you're here today, you've got kids still living in your house, Satan has got a bullseye on your kid's back. And he wants to take them out. Because so easily, if we don't tell our kids what's in the red, then it turns to white again. See, and our kids, they have a tough time discerning. They have a tough time discerning. It looks like that to them. It's so easy to us, for those of us that have been following Christ for so long, but for young children and for even our teenagers, we have to point out what the truth is. But in order to point out what the truth is, we gotta have time to do it. And do you know what I find is still, this is the part of the message I did not want to preach. Okay, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. Because I want you to like me. But at the end of the day, I really don't care. I'm kind of like Jimmy Crackcorn and I don't care. I do care. I care enough to tell you the truth. So here it is. This is stealing a lot of our time. It may not be this screen. It could be a television screen. It could be a computer screen. It could be an iPad screen. And it's still so much of our time. We got families that are never families. They live in the same house, and yet they're all on a device. He's on TV, she's on Facebook, the kids are on Instagram and Snapchat, and ne never do they come together. There's no family time anymore. So who is raising our kids? These things. And might I tell you that what comes in via the internet on that smartphone has a worldview and a system of thinking that blurs everything. It makes the sign turn white. And so all of a sudden, your kid comes home one day and they start espousing stuff and you go, where in the blue blazes did you get that? <laughs> or somebody that they respect or look up to that's on one of these things. Mom and Dad, might I say a word to you from an article that I read this week? When you give one of these smartphones to a kid under the age of 13, you do so at their peril. And that's according to experts in the field of childhood development. Because a kid who is under the age of 13, you give a smartphone to an 8 or 9 year old. By the way, what are phones for? Let's, uh, to make a phone call. That's a novel idea. Of course, today, I mean, if you're under the age of 30, you don't make a phone call, okay? Because you'd rather just text, right? I know how that works, because, you know, I make a phone call to a 29-year-old. Don't answer. I send him a text message two seconds later. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> what? <laughs> I get it. It's, it's a different day. So, so I'm, I'm not saying these things are bad or they're inherently wrong, but, but understand, a child, a child, they're not fully developed in an area of their brain, according to these experts. Let me sh show you a picture of this, of this um, of the brain. That red part on that map, or on that chart rather, is the prefrontal cortex of the brain. And it's that part of the brain that is underdeveloped in children who are particularly under the age of 10. 
What does that mean? They have no off button. They do not know how to walk away from a device. How many times have we been in a hotel or a restaurant, let's say, a family's having a meal at a restaurant and there's a three-year-old sitting there staring at an iPad. Let them color. I mean, once they get done with the iPad, they get back in the van and they're watching the back of the seat in front of them with a TV screen on it too. And then they get home and we flip the TV on there too. And it is a constant screen deal over and over again. And it begins to wire their brains to a place to where they cannot function without a screen. And they can't, they can't even carry on a conversation with an adult. Mom and dad, let's say that you've got teenagers in your house. And they've most likely got a smartphone. Both my 14-year-olds do. But did you know there are parameters? Because I'm trying to teach. I've got to teach what's true and false. So I've got to have time to teach. But so often, everybody's in a different place in the house. And everybody's doing their own thing. So who's teaching? These things. Mom and Dad, just so you'll know, for what it's worth, at my house, about 10, 10.30 at night, for my 14-year-olds and me and my wife, I'm 51 and she's... And, and we take our... <laughs> We take our phones about 10, 10.30 at night, we bring them to the kitchen, we plug them up to this big charger that Andrew bought for us. I mean, this thing is like something you see on Star Trek. I mean, it's just got like, I mean, I got enough wires for you. Bring your phone over, we'll charge them, okay? Okay. We plug these phones up. They're in the kitchen because we need to go to bed and we need to go to sleep. But there are times in our house that I actually pull our family together and I tell them, me included, leave your phone on the kitchen counter. We are going to be together at a family in the den, sitting at e in the same proximity, looking at each other. Don't, nope, 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 don't go get it. What does this teach? It teaches the ability for us as adults and our children to be able to say no to that thing. For us to be in a place in our lives that we can actually teach what is true. We can point out what is red and what is white. We've got to have that time. And, and in order to have that time, we have to be intentional about it. And we have to tell ourselves no with these devices. So we actually like do something crazy, like watch a movie together and pop some popcorn and have a conversation. Pause the movie and say, okay, this is what was purported in the movie. But based on the Word of God, and you've got to know the Word of God, based on the Word of God, is what was purported there, is that true? And it's amazing what the kids will begin to pick up on. See, we get it, but the, maybe they don't, especially if they're young, because their prefrontal cortex is not fully developed yet. And so they can't make those judgments yet. We have to set the parameters. And mom and dad, you've got to be where they are. Are you listening? If you're listening, say amen. I know I'm meddling. Hang in there. Mom and dad, if they're on Twitter, you've got to be on Twitter. If they're on Snapchat, you've got to be on Snapchat. You say, I don't like Snapchat. doesn't matter. If they're on it, you're there. Why? You're to protect them. You're to protect them. 
And you also, mom and dad, you ought to know their passcode to their phone. <laughs> oh, Pastor Kevin, uh, they might not like me. Are you their pal or their parent? Huh? Can I get a witness? Some of you looking down at the ground, come on now. If you can't say me and say, oh my. Come on. You buying that thing, paying that 80 bucks a month? Come on. Here's the thing. Your kid might look at you and say, don't you trust me? Has nothing to do with them. Has to do with everybody else. Has to do with all these predators out there. See, you may think, mom and dad, that your kid is watching some YouTube. They're eight years old. But do you know what you can stumble onto on YouTube? Huh? Did you know that kids today, that studies tell us today, that kids today are introduced to their for, first interaction of pornography between the ages of eight and nine, and they find it on their parents' cell phone? How about that? Would you ever give your kid your cell phone and say, look up porn? See, but so many of us, we, we, just, we just hand these things over carte blanche, don't even think anything about it. All it takes is a couple of clicks or typing in a word wrong. You understand? And so there's parameters. Do we have that? Because somebody's got to teach truth. And we've got to have time to teach the truth. And we've got to be able to help our young people. We've got to be able to help ourselves to understand what the truth is. So, Dad, try something novel. Get everybody together in the family. Leave all the cell phones in a central location. And just get the Bible out and read for five minutes. You say where? Couldn't care less. Just do this. Read for five minutes and then talk about it. You mean have a conversation? Yes. Hey, Dad, it'd be really cool if you knew what your kids' favorite colors were. Do you know your kids' favorite color, Dad? Most dads don't. Because they don't have a relationship with their kid. They got a relationship with their business. They got a relationship with their hobby. They know where the deer go. Huh? They, 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 know, what, they know what the ball team needs to do. But they don't, they don't know their kids' favorite color because we don't spend time with our kids. Listen, it is our job to teach the truth. It is our job as dads to lead in our homes. That's not chauvinistic. That's God's order. But I know that this is controversial because I'm stepping on toes. I don't mean to. Paul told Timothy this, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 7, and this is the same way in our culture today, the culture of Laodicea. Everyone's always learning but never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. The truth. Mom and dad, if you and I don't point out what's red and what's white, they're never going to know. And so they're going to believe what the world says in Satan's system of thinking. One last thing. Mom and dad, you see this picture of this, this young lady? Where, do you, where is she? Huh? In bed. You let them go to, phone, go to bed with their phone, it's too much. It's too much temptation. The phone's laying beside their nightstand. Zzz, zzz, zzz. It's 15 to 12. You think they're going to wait till the morning to check that out? Uh-uh. Hmm, they're going to check it out right then. And that's why your kids have, they look like raccoons. They got black circles under their eyes because they're constantly tired. Studies are telling us, all of these experts are telling us now that kids are getting no sleep at all because they've got their phones right beside of their bed. Plug them up somewhere else. Turn the Wi-Fi off. Let them rest. We've got to learn to tell ourselves no. If we want mature believers, we've got to be disciplined people. 
we're disciples of Christ. That means we're disciplined. So many of us, we don't want discipline. It takes time to educate. Any school teacher knows that. We've got many school teachers in this room. You work so hard to teach and to train so that they, so that they don't learn, so that they don't follow. You, you want to teach that stuff and then you're okay with them not getting it? Of course not. Colossians 2, 3, here's the meat of the message. See it again, verses, verse 3 rather. In whom, that's Jesus, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's in Jesus. We must seek Jesus because He is the truth. We must have time to teach and train in our homes, to actually have a conversation with our kids, to understand what do they think about abortion? What do they think about lifestyles that the Bible calls sin? What do they think about these issues that the world says is okay, but Scripture says isn't. There's so much more I could say, but I know what time it is, so I'll have to leave it here. But I tell you, we do have a weekly podcast now, and we're talking a lot about these things. We do a podcast called Real Time Truth. Matthew's the host, and I'm the beloviating one. You know, I used to do those two-minute Tuesdays, which was a colossal lie. I've never done a two-minute Tuesday in two minutes in my life. <laughs> So now we're trying to do these things in 19 minutes or less, okay? So you can listen to this thing while you're in the pickup line at the school. Or you got a 10-minute drive to work. you got 10 minutes there, 9 minutes back home, you can listen to this. We're talking about having a spiritual vision for our homes. We're talking about, well, how do, how do, you, how do you orchestrate your home to where you have the time? We'll, we'll go into more detail. And it's, it's not hard. It's not rocket science. But I don't, I don't have time. Y'all got a dinner table waiting on you. I get it. But I want to tell you, go to Real Time Truth. You say, how do I get it. You can do it via Spotify or YouTube. And, and anybody under the age of probably 35 gets that. But people that's over age 40 go, huh? Spotify? I don't have a Spotify. YouTube? I don't watch anything on YouTube. You mean my tube? No, no, no. YouTube. But here's how we've done it. Jacob has helped me because we have a website. You know how to get to our website, right? Go to the website, hit the media button, and then there's real-time truth. And you can listen to it. Right, the, the website will take you right to. You can either watch it on YouTube or listen to it on Spotify. You, you know you're doing it. It just happens. And then you can subscribe to it and you'll get it every week. When a new one comes out, it'll come right to you and you'll be able to listen to it or watch it. Why do I tell you this? Because I love you. <laughs> I'm like a coach. I want so desperately for us to be mature and do well. So here's the point of the message and we're done. These five verses today have offered to us one simple thought and it's this. If you and I want to know joy in this life, it's going to come in direct proportion to our desire for Jesus. What is your desire for Jesus? You want to know joy? You seek after Jesus. You want to know what it means to be weary? <laughs> it's like driving around in Charlotte, not having a clue how to get to the building. You know where you want to go, but you can't get there. We don't want to sit on the fence, folks. I remind you one last time what it means to be a fence straddler. Your choice is either God or the world, because Satan owns the fence. And here's the remedy. I prayed about what to do. I try, I try to pray, Lord, how do, you ha how do you want me to end these messages? I mean, I mean, how many ways is there to skin a cat? How many, I mean, every week I'm thinking, how can I do something different? Can I do I'm not trying to do some dog and pony show up here. I'm going to give you the Word of God. I'm going to tell you what Jesus said. Here's what Jesus said to the church at Laodicea. To the lukewarm church, if you're lukewarm today, here's what He said. See the screens? Revelation 3.18. Jesus said, I counsel you to buy from me 
Jesus said, buy from me gold that's refined by fire so that you may be rich and fire is hot. And white garments, that speaks of purity. If you're living in sin, you're living in known sin, you're not going to know the joy of Jesus. You're going to be driving around aimlessly. He said that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. Jesus said, and I'll give you salve to anoint your eyes and so you'll see. Jesus said to those I love, he says, if I love you, I will reprove you and I will discipline you. So be zealous. What's another word for zealous? Hot. Be hot and repent. Jesus said that. Repent, turn around, go the other way. Don't go off the cliff. Watch verse 20. We think of verse 20 as like a call to salvation. It's not. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Who is he writing to there? Who is Jesus talking to? A church. It's like Jesus was on the outside of the doors of the church and he's having to knock to get in. That's how it is today in America. Jesus has been put out of the church. And we've got all of this other garbage that we don't even know what truth is anymore. We don't even preach Jesus anymore. We just preach. But today, you've heard the truth. And the truth will set you free. Because see our little guy on the bicycle? See, the guy on the bicycle today is Jesus. Can you see Jesus there? Got his helmet on, but Jesus has got, you know, got that long brown hair and that beard and those brown eyes, and he's got his white robe on. And Jesus says, hey, I know the way. I know the way. Come, follow me. Thank you for joining us for today's message. Find us at www.mpbc.church and on Facebook at facebook.com mpbcnc. Have a great day, and we hope you'll join us again next week.